0: Hello, my name's Dr. Henry J. Sveck, retired psychologist, you can call me Hank, and this is a one-time podcast. Now, (laughs) it may sound like I'm doing therapy on myself, and maybe that's part of it, but I wanted to close the door on my 30-year career as a psychologist in Ontario. And I wanted to present this podcast to you so that uh, if you're listening and you want to become a psychologist, you might think twice. And I also want to do a direct communication to uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson, who um, has been experiencing some difficulty with the College of Psychologists of Ontario. But my point to him, and I'm sure he knows this, is that, that he's not alone. But some of us have experienced this type of weaponization for many, many years, in my case, over 20. And I'm going to go through the five different situations and stories of what happened to me throughout my career. In the end, I'll close by telling you why it was a good thing, why it was a benefit, truthfully was, and hopefully that will be the same as uh, anyone else going through those things right now or even Dr. Peterson go through it. So obviously, I'm not going to mention names in the sense of of specific cases, but I can tell you of the five different complaints that were used to weaponize a point by someone who were not clients. In my 30 years of practice and seeing over 10,000 clients with my staff, we never experienced a complaint from a client ever. These were complaints primarily from Others who use the process at the College of Psychologists and even individuals at the college themselves to weaponize the system of complaints to try to silence people or punish people that may not have agreed with them. And I was one of those people. The first issue occurred very early in in my career when we began advertising, uh, marketing, the profession of psychology. When I started, I remember I sent in um, scripts that were going to be commercials to the college saying, is it okay if I run these? Can I do this? And I want to do radio. I want to do television. And they said, we won't comment until there's a complaint against you. And I thought that was rather odd. But nevertheless, I thought since it was legal and ethical to do so, I began to market the practice of psychology. All went well till we went to London, Ontario took it very seriously in our second clinic. And at the time, we started to receive reports back. So let me just give you this brief explanation. At that time, when, a, when someone was in a car accident, say I was in a, you or I were in a car accident, and we had significant issues, we could go to a psychologist and get an assessment to see if treatment was warranted, and then hopefully we could get treatment to get back to where we were just a minute before we got hit by that car or whatever the impact was two psychologists in particular, in their reports, would not only 100% of the time say that our uh, treatment was unwarranted and not necessary, but they would uh, criticize our clinic and our staff. It happened over a period of months. They continually used that avenue to do so. So I wrote them a letter and said, please stop. You know, If you have a problem with something, you need to direct that to me directly. It's inappropriate to put it in a client's report, and so on. And if you don't stop, I will have to report you for unprofessional behavior. So here was an example where I was actually following the rules, which is you first approach a colleague and suggest to them that you have a discussion. And turns out it continued, and in fact, it got worse. So I reported them. Their response, of course, was to make up allegations against myself and my practice and report me. And that was the first time I went through that weaponization uh, weaponization of the process. It turns out if I'd done some research, I would have known that whenever you complain against a professional, they are likely to complain against you, regardless if you did anything wrong or not. But the complaints of these other folks had to do with my advertising, because obviously they're practicing in the same city in London that I was, and Envy is one of the great motivators of human beings. And so I went through that. And I remember I was—I I actually hired a lawyer because at that time I had uh, legal assistance through my uh, organization. And she said to me, "It doesn't matter that you didn't do anything wrong. If you throw enough, thing will stick." So in the end of a couple of years of this and that, and exhaustive writing and. You know, my brain going elsewhere because I had to deal with all of this stuff. Their conclusion, the College of Psychologists, was that I needed more education, training, and I think I had to go down to Toronto. Yes, I did, to be verbally told to to watch what I do. It's like going to the principal's office. Clearly, I had offended some of the uh, think tanks, and colleagues who didn't like the fact that when they turned on their television, our clinics were there, when they listened to the radio going to their offices, they heard our commercials. When they opened up our news the newspaper at that time, the London Free Press, they saw probably a huge uh, marketing piece. And when they got their phone book that time we had phone books, we were on the back outside cover. We were the, I think, first practice in Canada to do that. So that all was fine. I I dealt with that one, went on. The next incident occurred a few years later when uh, I was working in probation. And an individual who had some pretty serious crimes demanded that we write a letter um, saying that he was not a risk to his family. And of course we couldn't do that because we hadn't assessed him and we wouldn't do that. And so he didn't report me, but he reported an intern I had uh, trying to get to me through that intern. And because I was super advising that intern, I had to be uh, told to make sure. And and the complaint was that at times uh, people were heard calling the intern doctor because he was a doctor in the United States. He was licensed in the United States, was doing a post-doc internship at our practice and shouldn't be using that term in Ontario because he technically was not licensed in Ontario working under my supervision. And that was one of those letters where they tell you to you know, don't do it again kind of thing. The third issue where the college was weaponized, oh, I should say also this: in the second case, the offender was represented by the Catholic Church. That's important as we get to the later um, story I'm going to tell you. The third incident happened when I became aware that uh, an intern at my office, uh, we brought in PhD or people who were working to be licensed as psychologists, an intern, had developed a relationship with someone, uh, intimate relationship with someone that she was supervising. So It wasn't a client, it was another staff member. And the concern came up because, well obviously, that's not okay, but secondly, the uh, second part of it was that she had threatened a student that she was supervising that we had at the office, that if she said anything to myself or my wife, she would have a very poor uh, review of her performance going back to school. So she basically threatened the student who, who discovered the incident. They were living in this duplex situation side by side. We'd actually purchased a duplex to provide subsidized housing for interns and students, which, were, which was two doors down from our offices so people could come from uh, far and wide and do an internship. And um, the only rent they paid was whatever rent uh, they had subleased their other properties, so sometimes people would pay us $100 a month, whatever, sometimes $500, whatever it would be. So when we discovered this, according to the rules, I fired her on the spot and had to, uh, the rules say that when you do something like this because of behavior and someone is is a, is a uh, person who is on the road to becoming a licensed professional, you have to report the incident to the College of Psychologists which I did and that was my obligation and of course she turned around and made up 14 complaints against my practice and myself now that went on for probably three or four years that included a break-in by the College of Psychologists into my wife's office Um, I will always remember the time we were having uh, we were in London and my sister-in-law had been in for serious surgery, and we got a call from the office from the receptionist who said, I have two guys with suits, and they're demanding to um, get into your wife's office. And I said, well, I'm sorry, that has nothing to do with my practice, but I, I can be there soon, and we'll, we'll work it out. Well, by the time I had gotten there, they had already come into the office, taken files, and so on. After looking at probably at that time 6,000 electronic files, we had to hire a software guy to give them the electronic files, some 6,000 patient files. Um, probably, I'm thinking close to four years of in uh, investigating by them. I, I, I put an investigation in a quotation marks because they were really were clown college investigators. They didn't have a clue what they were doing. But they looked at every document. I mean, it was ridiculous. And that's fine. At the end of all of that, the concluding comment was that after I fired her, I should have had her back job performance. Of course, I didn't do that. And secondly, my wife, who owned the building and rented the apartment to this person, should not have done that because should the student have had a landlord-tenant dispute, it would have been awkward considering I was also supervising her for licensure. So we were being... My wife was also punished, even though she wasn't a psychologist, I guess. This is so ridiculous, uh, because we had provided subsidized housing for students. Now, it's interesting to point out that the organization, the Ontario College of Psychologists, um, did nothing with regard to her behavior. In fact, they transferred. She she picked up another internship when when we fired her, and the person who got her to be supervised was not aware of what she had done at our offices. Now here's where it gets crazy. So we did that. So she weaponized again. She used the college reporting to to lie. And her saying to the to the college as we went through this appeal process, I said, how many lies make a liar? You know, she lied about this and that. She made incredible, incredible lies. But it didn't matter because in the end it came out, as I just said. But as I was going through the process, I said to myself, regardless, and I kept thinking about that lawyer who told me that um, regardless of what you do, if someone throws enough mud, um, they'll find something or they'll say you did something. I I became a serious real estate investor. So at that time of our life, we had owned a few properties, and I was sort of more dabbling, but focusing on um, the practice. But because my, my, our three sons were back to university, we, I started to realize that if, they, if something stupid happens, and, and not on my part, but if they suddenly make, because things pile up, right? This would have been my third one. Um, I have to support my family, so I started buying real estate. And in seriously getting involved, what a great thing that was, it was just life-changing. So, you know, the whole lemon make lemonade uh, would be, I guess, something you could talk about. But uh, So that went on, and I started to do that. That was very, very difficult, though, those four years. Just as, you know, when I watch Dr. Peterson's videos and I see how he felt, I felt that way for a very long time, and there's very little support. I was lucky I have a great wife, Mary, who supported me, but... You know, you can't explain it to your children. You can't talk about any, any sort of just keep uh, your head down and, uh, and move forth. Now, the fourth happened, uh, and this is really, really crazy. In our practice, we were working with um, victims of the Catholic Church. And we had been seeing individuals who had been victimized by priests, And there came a point where the Catholic Church developed a uh, way to reimburse therapists who were working with victims. It was one of their agreements they made, particularly with the London Diocese, where a local perpetrator in Chatham, Ontario, had victimized likely thousands of children. Um, So there came a time when the Catholic Church said that, well, you know, too many people are using the service, to to continue your approval, you will need to send your notes, your clinical notes and anything we want, to our head office in the London Diocese. Now, having understood the situation and understood that the abuse was, uh, in many cases, covered up by different organizations, including um, the London Diocese, I indicated in a letter to them that I would not be sharing my notes with, um, with anyone, particularly uh, without consent of the client, nor a priest, nor an administrator that was partially responsible or responsible for the abuse of thousands of children. That was, in essence, what my letter said. So quickly there was a organized a phone call between myself, one of my other staff, um, and the... Um, senior administrators I guess they were called at the London diocese and in that phone call I said basically what I said in my letter I'm not sharing my my uh, clinical notes those are private and um and secondly um I don't care if you pay me or not we're going to continue to help the clients because that was their big thing they were going to cut off our funding and that didn't affect me at all because it never did and um I also said, but you should know that I've suddenly raised my fees and now it's, I forget the number, I made up some ridiculous number because they were also going to reduce the fee that they were gonna allow us to, uh, they were gonna pay us to see clients. And I knew I'd never collect it, but I simply said it to basically have them leave me alone. Well, it turns out coincidentally that the day before, I, I don't think I've ever shared this one, but the day before the meeting, I got a call at home. Now, many many years ago prior to all our work with victims and and i was actually brought up as a catholic but i got a call at the house to say it was uh in in a month or so or something and i hadn't had a call for probably 20 years i was uh i was being told that there was going to be a picture taking of all the church parishioners uh, for their i think they called it a yearbook it was like a fundraiser. And I should come with Mary and have our picture taken because we are members of their church. Now, I'm not normally a paranoid kind of guy, but it, 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 some people say there's no such thing as coincidence. I mean, was that supposed to be intimidation? I just kind of laughed and thought, really? That's that's what you got? Well, it turns out the Catholic Church decided that they were going to report, weaponize the College of Psychologists of Ontario and report me for unprofessional behavior because I said the bishop was involved in the sense of turning the other blind eye to the abuse that was happening to the children of the London Diocese. So they reported me. And we went through this whole thing, another two or three years of, of laughable, and by the way, it's not like, unfortunately, and if you follow Dr. Peterson, you know, it's not like you, you're you charged with um, jaywalking and you can go to court and, you def- and defend yourself you if you're if there's a complaint against you you have to cooperate but also you have to give everything and you you, they never talk to you in all of these cases up to number four no one at the college of psychologists ever called to talk to me um because they don't have to and you don't really present a case until you appeal it so they go through collect whatever information they want they decide whatever they want and then they make a decision and it can be minor all the way to serious. So in the in the Catholic Church one, which I, I, you know you, you have to understand over a period of time, you start to realize it's weaponization, but it still takes a hit because I, I sacrificed a lot to become a psychologist, as it sounds like Dr. Peterson did. And you you just, even though at this point the good news was the the real estate investments were doing incredibly well. I didn't really need to, to be there. It still is something that, you know, it was my second career. I went back to school as an adult with young children to become a psychologist. So they said something like, yes, I shouldn't have said that the bishop was involved or the head office was involved, which was actually a lie. They were involved, and we knew that and they said i just should watch it and never which kind it's not so much the conclusion to these it was the process that was the punishment that they threw at you because for three years you're under this scope of being you know questioned anyway so that that pretty much is that one the final one which occurred until i retired at 65 and this one is probably the most fascinating this one is resulting in a uh, a rather extensive um, investigation on my part of the largest theft in the history of not-for-profits in Canada. Off and on throughout my career, I was a member of the Ontario Psychological Association. They're an as- association that are designed to promote the profession of psychology in Ontario. And what happened was, um, we, uh, as a member, I received a notice... That the OPA, that was a short form for the Ontario Psychological Association, needed funds for legal services. I started to wonder, like, what what kind of legal services do you need like all this money for? And turns out, at that time, they reported that $1.7 million was missing. So I started asking questions. And I became so intrigued by this. I went and received my licensure as a private investigator because I thought, well, if I'm going to figure this out, I should figure this out. Plus, in retirement, it might be kind of fun to be a PI for a while. So I asked questions, and I said to them, you know, I really need to see your financial statements, and they said, "Well, they're pretty complicated. You know, I don't know if you'd see, you'd understand them." And I said, "Okay, well, maybe there's a way we could talk." And they said, "Sure, come to Toronto." So I paid for my ticket And I took them for lunch. I went on the train, took them for lunch in Toronto. And the the CEO at that time, I call it, and the president-elect met me for lunch with a student that they had in tow. And I had been asking about financials, and so the CEO arrives, starts crying. We we eventually nickname her as Crybaby, so we'll just call her Crybaby. I don't want to say her name right now because I don't think that's relevant. But Crybaby starts crying about she's done everything she can, blah, blah, blah. They give me some of the information, but they really don't have good, good records. You'd never be able to tell anything by reading any of this stuff. I get home and a few days later I get a letter and they tell me the actual theft is 2.8 million. And uh, they thank me for you know, my interest and all that kind of stuff. So they have at that time, there was an OPA listserv where members could go and share ideas and questions. So I started asking a lot of questions to the membership, all members of the OPA. I said this and that, and, and eventually they, they knew very quickly that I was no longer trying to help them, I was trying to investigate this. And long story short, on, I believe it was Thanksgiving weekend, I, I asked a lot of tough questions. And so the crybaby reported me, weaponized, again, the process, and reported me, made, made up so many crazy, crazy suggestions to the College of Psychologists of Ontario. And even though I was not practicing as a psychologist, I was working as... A, oh, she also reported me to the um, Private Investigators Association. The guy called me up and he just laughed. Her complaint was that when I was doing my undercover work, I actually used a different name. And he thought that was kind of funny. Uh, but anyway, that the, the, I wasn't doing anything wrong. I was asking questions. And it turns out the full amount of the theft is we're estimating now over $4 million. And I pretty much understand why she was fighting so hard to stop me from asking questions and speaking out. Now, the College of Psychologists of Ontario um, were part of the complaint because Crybaby said, I was too hard on the College of Psychologists people too. And it's not a surprise because the person running the Ontario Psychological Association, when the 4 plus million dollars of theft occurred, was also a influential member of the Ontario College of Psychologists. And she, at many times throughout her tenure, she was on the discipline committee. That's the folks who tell people like me to stop running ads, stop saying the Catholic Church is a bad group, and all of that. So you can see how the circle kind of closes. I'm not going to get into a lot of details about the thefts, Um, But there was just an incredible amount of lack of financial um, observation, financial surveillance, protection for membership, and uh, board members knew. It's kind of like one of those things where people turn the other cheek, and they they just act like they don't know uh, what's going on. Uh, Very similar, by the way, to what happened with the Catholic Church and all the molestations and victimizations of children. So the conclusion of the College uh, of Psychologists was that I needed, just like Dr. Peterson, I needed to go to Toronto and be told to stop it, and I needed to take re-education, because obviously I didn't know how to ask questions about theft and fraud on a listserv. And so we played back and forth. I appealed it, and of course, the appeals committee, which they always do, supported the college and said, nah, you know, even though he wasn't a psychologist, they can still, you know, say what they want. And my insurance wouldn't cover the legal fees because I wasn't working as a psychologist at the time. It was weaponized against me. I just happened to be one. So I remember talking to my lawyer at that time and I said, you know, if I was a plumber and I fixed somebody's pipes and they started the leak, could they they report me to the College of Psychologists? if I did that while I was still a psychologist? And he said, absolutely. He said, I've seen many cases like this. I said, what are you talking about? What does this have to do with anything? Because the purpose of the college is to protect the public from psychologists. And it was like, "This this is not reality. And this doesn't bother me. And this is unfortunate for people because it took me five incidents in 30 years to understand how they weaponize this to take on people that they either envy or people that don't agree with them or speak out or point out things or investigate their fraud, theft, and criminal behavior. So in closing, and I know this is long, this is a one-time podcast. I'm only doing this once. I just want to say that... I am thankful for all the experiences, even though they were difficult at the time. I am not thankful to, to the price it put on my family. But from a personal growth and development, it certainly helped me understand the truth about these types of organizations, the pathetic people often that work there, who envy those. I'm sure they all envy Dr. Peterson, obviously, I'm just a guy on a farm here in Blenheim, Ontario, trying to figure out bees in the environment, but I'm gonna tell you that if I were starting today and I knew what I knew, I definitely would not be have been a psychologist, nor would I recommend that anyone I love, care for, or know um, should do the same. They are weaponized and it's no different. I, I understand um, with um, the College of Physicians and Surgeons, and, and others, but I have to tell you from what I understand in talking to my attorney, the Ontario College of Psychologists, or the whatever term you want to use, is one of the worst in our country. I've experienced it. The culture has not changed, I don't believe, for what they're doing to Dr. Peterson. Now, you can agree or disagree with Dr. Peterson, and I have on many occasions, just personal thinking, I don't have a discourse, never talk to the man, I don't know him. Personally, I respect that he goes out there and does what he does because he believes in it. And truth and belief today is so rare. Even if you disagree, it's important to listen to all those positions and opinions that may get you riled up. And you don't condemn the person sending the message. You can debate it, you can challenge it, you can disagree. In my case, I'm grateful to have experienced these. I guess, incidents of weaponization because they pushed me into other areas. They pushed me into um, a great career in real estate investments and investing in agile companies and now the environmental stuff we're doing. And just today, I received um, word that an article I wrote, a theoretical article, Diathesis, Stress, and Honeybee Survival has been accepted for publication in a peer-reviewed journal where basically I take psychological principles and apply them to honeybee hive failure. So maybe I had to go through these 30 years of fun and uh, I'm grateful to, so, so that I could have been able to apply it to helping make our environmental world a better place. I am grateful for the 10 plus thousand people that I was able to work with and my staff were able to work with and um, clinics go on today. So. Uh, weaponization of any college or any professional body outside of their mandate should be fought at every moment possible because it prevents people from joining those professions and taking care of their careers and their clients or patients or students that they so desperately want to do. You have an amazing day and an amazing life. Take care.